Hey there, welcome back to my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, podcasting from the heart of the Netherlands, the beautiful city of Amersfoort. And you may think, hey, weren't you in France just a few days ago? Yes, I was, but I'm back at the microphone in the studio with lots of stories to tell about France. This episode is brought to you thanks to my patrons. They support me with a small or slightly bigger donation every month. And in return, I give them access to a special podcast that I record for them. Uh, a little bit more personal podcast. Um, and it's a feed once you become a donor on patreon.com slash fatherroderick. You get that link and you can paste it in your podcatcher and then you can listen to some extra content um so thanks to them i can bring you this without advertisements without interrupting every topic with uh, annoying ads about mattresses you should buy or ready to make kitchen stuff i don't know i i always hate it when when podcasters like oh it's time for an ad and then five minutes long they talk about something that actually they don't really care about and i just keep Pressing that, you know, 30 seconds seconds forward, 30 seconds forward. <laughs> I'm so glad I have patrons, so I don't have to do that. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. I had a fantastic week in France, spending six days, or six nights, I should say, in France. And uh, I was filming for two TV episodes, in case you missed my updates on Facebook or, or Twitter. And Instagram, by the way, of course, for photos, uh, Instagram is fantastic if you're in France, because everything is beautiful wherever you look. I, I made a documentary in Lourdes, and then I traveled by train to another part of France where I made a, a portrait, a documentary also about a, a, a priest who lives there as a hermit, a Dutch priest. And this is his first year. So it's still a lot of things that he's discovering and discerning, um, but a beautiful landscape and such a fascinating story. And it was a joy to be able to, to film that and at the same time also enjoy the beautiful country of France. So it doesn't, almost doesn't feel like working, except for the fact that one day I had to wake up at 3.30 a.m., <laughs> to fill morning prayer. I was not aware that that hermit would wake up that early and I wanted to film his morning routine. So he's, yeah, sure, come over at 3.30. Um, you mean afternoon? No, a.m. Okay. <laughs> I still, today I, had, I needed some extra doses of coffee to, uh, to stay awake. But anyway, it went very well. It was very enjoyable. And there will be many more of these weeks to come. Uh, this week I'm going to film, uh, at least on Friday, I just made some appointments. I'm going to ma make an episode about uh, uh, the feast day of St. Francis, which also happens to be International, um, what is it, Animal Welfare Day or whatever you call it. World, World Animal Day, I think. And uh, I'm going to interview two of my parishioners who are both very much in love with the animals they care for. One is working on a, uh, an ambulance uh, service, and she is rescuing anim animals. But she's also uh, one of our leading church musicians here in, in my parish. And uh, uh, another lady is uh, uh, 
has her own horse and a very strong bond with her horse, but she's also very active in our parish. And I, I, I'm going to inquire if, if you know, what, what their faith means for the way they treat their animals. And I don't know what animals can teach us about God, perhaps. Who knows? So that's going to happen Friday. And I'm already planning ahead for a week in Rome. And um, it's, it's always hard to find an entire week where I have no appointments because there's always something either in the parish or uh, in, in the broadcasting world that I work in. Um, so that's going to be... That there are still some hiccups, but I hope to be able to, uh, to go there soon and film probably four episodes if I can do that. So that is... It's quite impossible. Normally, people would go to Rome for a week and then film one episode <laughs> with a camera crew. I just go there and I feel I try to film four episodes. I've done it before, so I know it's feasible, but it's going to be uh, very demanding. I'm super happy, though, with my new Canon uh, M50. Uh, it's the camera that I also use to, to stream live. And this was the very first time that I took that camera with me and no other backup cameras except for the the small um, DJI Osmo Pocket, uh, which is a small gimbal camera. But almost everything, all the interviews, all the, the the regular TV work, I filmed it with this M50, and it was a joy to work with, especially with the 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 camera that I also or the lens that I use for streaming as well. It's a twenty millimeter uh, or twenty two millimeter f two lens, which is can do this nice blurry background stuff. I, I love doing that. And then France, I mean, France in the springtime, there is no other country in the world where it's where it's like that. It is beautiful. I mean, it's worth waking up that early to catch the, the, the first sun rays over uh, a, a, a typical French vineyard. And oh, everything was beautiful wherever I looked. I want to go back. <laughs> but I can't. I gotta work. And uh, of course, uh, well, since we're since we're already here, let's do a movie and TV segment. Um, I'm gonna talk about not really uh, theater movies, although these two actually were in theaters. I think about half a year ago, and I had heard good things about them, but I just didn't have the time back then to go uh, to go to the movies. So I caught them, fortunately, on Netflix. There's actually quite a bit of difference between here in the Netherlands between Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime. I've got Amazon Prime. They hardly have any new movies, whereas Netflix keeps adding them on a daily basis. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. I watched two movies, and I'm going to give my my initial review, or it's just a small review. Of course, i got to stay spoiler-free, and that's hard these days. I mean, Game of Thrones is, is in its last season, and it's everywhere, and I haven't even finished, like, the fifth season, so I'm several seasons behind, and I'm just hoping that nobody spoils it for me, but uh, it's it's these are dangerous times. Um, well... I watched the movie Baby Driver. I heard really good things about it. It's a story about a uh, a young boy. Uh, well, not the age that he can have a driver's license. And and when we first meet him, he's helping a few bandits, a few a few robbers to uh, rob a bank, I think. 
And he then, he's the person who's responsible to make sure they get away. The driving is amazing. The, the, it's very well filmed. Um, and so this, this, this young boy or young man has an incredible talent for, for, for driving. But you soon discover that he is actually obliged to do that. Not because he's, he himself is a criminal, but he has a, an outstanding debt with, uh, uh, well, the bad guy of the, of the series or of the, of the movie. And so this, the story tries to show how he is uh, getting away uh, and, 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 or stepping away from that world or at least trying to do so, which is very hard. Um, the bad guy is played by Kevin Spacey. This this is a role, probably his last role at, at the movies before the scandal broke loose about you know his abusive behavior on the set for for multiple years, and um, well I have to say it's a good casting for this role because he is very unlikable just like the actor appears to be in real life so. <laughs> but it's a good movie. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the driving scenes are, are awesome. I always like racing or watching like racing scenes in, in movies. And, uh, and, and it's also a sympathetic story. There is, there is heart in this movie. The second movie that I briefly want to review is a movie that I watched yesterday evening. I, I stayed up late to finish watching this movie so I could review it here. And it's also a, a very particular movie. Um, and it stands out because of the way it was filmed. The movie is called Searching, and uh, it tells the story of a father who has lost his uh, his wife, and uh, his daughter, who is now, I think, around 22, all of a sudden disappears. And he is using the internet and all the resources that he has on his computer to try to find out what has happened. What makes this movie so unique is that you are actually just watching video screens. You're watching computer screens. And everything, the entire story, is told through Skype calls, through websites that you see, through searches. So you hear a lot of keyboard clicking. And, of course, they use video calling as a, as a uh, perhaps the most obvious way to show us at least the main characters in that story. But because it's so much telling the story from the perspective of the father who is searching, you see a lot of your own behavior, online behavior, mirrored in his behavior. So, so it, it, it has the effect of almost makes you feel as if you are the father at times. And how would I try to figure that out? Of course, I would try to find, you know, the social media channels that the daughter was using. And so how do you find out those friends? How do, can, can, do you even know if those Facebook friends are real friends? And, and it turns out that actually the father doesn't really know his daughter that well. And that creates a lot of tension and a lot of mystery. Um, I thought it was brilliant the way they, they did this. And it's not, of course, not really a, a computer screen that you see. It's kind of a recreation, I think, of a computer screen, although some of the stuff is, is literally screen grabs from, from real computers. But then some of the other stuff is, is just too, the quality is a little bit too good for, uh, for just a simple webcam. But those are, of course, you know, creative licenses that they had to take to make this presentable on, you know, a, a, a full, full theater size screen. 
but highly recommend it. It's called Searching, uh, starring actually one of the actors who also played in uh, in Star in the new Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams uh, Star Trek reboot. I thought I had a window open with that movie, but apparently I haven't. Let me look that up real quick. IMDb Searching movie. It's uh, I think his name is Cho. Um, the movie actually is is very recent. It's from two thousand. 18, and John Cho plays David Kim. Um, and he is kind of the person who is always on screen. And I have to give it to him. The way he acts is so good that you really believe that you're watching a Skype call, a regular Skype call. Some of the other, especially some of the voice voices that you hear are a little bit over the top. So there you can tell, eh, that's overacting or it's not real but John Cho really I think uh, um, makes you believe that this is you're watching actually a guy who is on Skype um, he plays of course Sulu in uh, in the Star Trek movies the the JJ Abrams Star Trek movie there is there's appears to be an uh, another Star Trek movie in development but I haven't heard much about it last thing I heard was that the main actors had bowed out because of uh, conflicts over the budget because, of course, the last Star Trek movie wasn't the success that they hoped, and so they tried to lower the wages for the main actors, and they didn't agree. And, you know, can you really make a Star Trek movie without without Kirk, without Spock? You can't. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Although I have to say, now that Star Trek is back on the small screen, on our TV screens with Discovery and with the upcoming Picard series and the spin-off, uh, the Discovery spin-off. Uh, there's a lot of Star Trek back in my life. And so I'm less interested in the, in the movies. Or uh, we don't depend solely on the movies. Now, the only other thing that we need is a good video game. Uh, the MMO based on Star Trek, Star Trek Online, is not very good. So here's hoping that... Uh, We'll get to see more or get to play more in the Star Trek universe with the good video games. Let's visit the Peculiar Bunch. <laughs> Catholics rock! Here at the Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics and their weird traditions, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? And today I want to share some of the lessons learned during my time with that hermit in the middle of nowhere. Well, the middle of France. <laughs> Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster video. So here I was... Uh, at the train station in Lourdes. I just bought a ticket to travel for about four hours by train, first to the city of Toulouse, and then I would have to change, take another train that will bring me that would bring me to Carcassonne, which is this fantastic medieval fortress. And that's where Father Theo, the hermit, would pick me up with his car and I would spend uh, three days in the village where he lives. Well, everything went wrong. It turned out there was no train. <laughs> Nobody warned me. They, 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 it was impossible to go beyond the city of Toulouse, which is about a, an hour and a half away from where Father Theo lives. And they just told me, well, you just take a train the next day. 
I was like, I don't have a next day. I gotta be there tonight. Ah, the French. Parbleu, sacré bleu. Well, anyway, uh, I called Father Theo. He picked me up in Toulouse. And, but I came from Lourdes and I'd been filming and I was a little bit stressed out because I didn't really have a, a good plan on what I was going to film. I knew that I wanted to film a portrait of Father Theo about his life as a hermit, but I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know visually what was, if it was interesting. What I knew was that nothing would happen. Because he wasn't going to, I don't know, do spectacular gatherings with thousands of uh, faithful. He was not going to, you know, rebuild the church. Or uh, So what was I going to film? Except for a, a priest who was praying. That is, well, of course that is valuable, but I'd, I'd, I was not sure if that would be visually interesting. So I, I was going there just kind of relying on my intuition and relying on my, my experience that as long as someone has a story, there is a story. But it's it's a type of story that I've never done before. And so I was still a little bit uh, worried about, about well, about the, uh, what, what I was going to find there. And it took me a couple of days. I talked a little bit more about my experiences in my other podcast, the walk, which you can find over at tridio.com. So, um, I'll go a little bit more in detail about those days. But after a while, I, I started to get used to the, to the quiet calmness of the place. Not really that I became a hermit, but I have to say that, that that piece of that place and also the attitude of Father Theo was contagious. And I was getting calmer and calmer and more confident. And it was like, Things are going to work out. And they worked out tremendously well. I had a lot of conversations on screen, filming, interviews. But I also had a lot of discussions, or not really discussions, but a lot of almost spiritual conversations between two, two priests. And we were very alike, actually. That was my biggest surprise, was how much we had the same kind of story, the same kind of background, the same kind of, of, of vocation story as well. The difference is, he spends his time praying and doing very simple work, cleaning the church, doing his groceries, preparing food, talking to the villagers. Whereas I live in this frenetic world of, of movie TV production with lots of deadlines and a ton of different things that I'm doing at once. Uh, lots of technology always surrounding. I'm always looking at screens. I'm always fiddling with, uh, with gadgets. Um, and there is a lot of un unrest in my life uh, because of that, you know, all these different aspects that I have to somehow manage. Uh, not to mention that I'm also running a company or a platform, Tridio, with m now four people working with me for all these productions. And that also, it's the, our first year that we're actually um, at working at full speed and so it still requires a lot of discussion and communication and planning and readjustments but while I was there walking around in those beautiful vineyards and praying or filming the <laughs> Father Theo who was praying at that you know the 11th century church I was more and more learning to let go of my worries and not to think ahead of what I was going to do this week, not trying to do too much in one week either. 
because I was like, oh, well, I have some time. Maybe I should record an episode of The Walk. Maybe I should do another live stream. And I, I did a few live streams while I was there um, and, and almost immediately regretted it, even though it was fun to talk to my YouTube followers. It was also technically, it was a hassle because it was the audio was stuttering and there were the, but the phone is old and so it, it just didn't record it well lots and lots of worry so i i just ugh. i i at one point i was like okay i'm just going to simply do my job film do this tv work and that's it and then i'm just going to spend some time walking around and reading and praying myself father theo said something to me which I will always remember, I think. Um, and he said, it's, it's kind of the story, because I, of course I, I, he came from exactly the same life and world as I came from, the world of a busy parish and lots of concerns and worries. And, you know, there's never a dull moment, but there's also hardly ever a peaceful moment. And he reminded me of that story of Martha and Mary, two sisters. Um, they also have a brother, uh, and those two sisters are good friends of Jesus, and Jesus visits them regularly and just spends time to just, you know, be be with that family. And then there is a big difference between those two sisters. Martha, uh, we're told, is always concerned about Jesus' well-being. So she's in the kitchen, and she's trying to prepare food and make sure that Jesus is comfortable and everything, Whereas Maria is just sitting at the feet of Jesus, just listening. And uh, then Martha gets really annoyed. She's like, well, tell my sister that she needs to come and help me. And then Jesus actually reacts, um, in, for, at least for Martha, in a bit of an unexpected manner. And he says, Martha, you're worried about so many things, but only one thing is truly necessary. And Maria has, or Mary has has chosen the better part. She she does what I truly ask, and that is come and stay here and listen to me and, and don't worry too much. And uh, Father Theo said, you know, in the Netherlands, what the problem was with the church and with many parishes and, and especially with many priests, there are way too many Marthas and way too few Marias or Marys. We're all trying to over-organize the church. We're trying to substitute for Jesus himself. We think that we are running the show, and we everything depends on, on our action and our, on our plans and our budgets. And we forget that in order to really bear fruit, you first have to receive yourself. So you have to sit there at the feet of Jesus, shut up, <laughs> and listen. And that was a very... I think a very uh, important message for me to hear. Something that I already started discovering in the time of Lent, where I decided to work less and to take more time for other things. <laughs> Anything it can be prayer, it can be just walking, it can be working on my health or building Lego castles, as long as it's not really work. And I kind of dared God on. On, on filling in the gaps. So if I would take better care of myself, he would take care of the work and of the efficiency and the output. And he did. And I've really noticed that 
It does not depend on me. It has helped me to make better choices and to... Oh, wait a minute. Oh, can make a little... I got to make a little adjustment with the camera. Thank goodness for the, for the vigilant people in the chat. This camera has one big problem, and that's the autofocus. In the background behind me here in the, on the shelves is a puppet of uh, Mickey Mouse. And this camera sometimes thinks that Mickey is hosting the show, which is, of course, not the case. It should be focusing on me. So I tap my face at the beginning of the stream, and then you get this square, and it's auto-focusing on my face. But apparently, every once in a while, this camera gets confused and thinks, hey, it's about Mickey Mouse. It's so annoying because I'm monitoring the image on the little flip-out flip screen, um, and th that is a tiny screen, so I can't see what is in focus. So it's thankfully that, who said that in the chat? Uh, Papa Herschel says, the camera is focused on the shelf, but I can still see you well, not a big issue. Well, but I want this to be perfect. And I don't want to have a blurry Father Roderick and a sharp background. I want the opposite. That's why I bought this lens. So I still need to figure out how to improve that. Um, but... That's the problem with new cameras. And I'm so glad that I had relatively few issues, few camera and technical issues while I was there. The only issue that I had was that I lost my gimbal, my, my little DJI Osmo Pocket Pro, which costs 375 euros, I think. It's quite expensive. And I'd filmed a lot in Lourdes because in Lourdes you had a lot of, I had to work super fast. I had one one day, basically, to film that pilgrimage. And so I was alternating between these two cameras. I had the, the M50 to record the interviews. And then for anything that involved movement, for instance, there, you have these people in wheelchairs and they're moving from one place of the sanctuary to another. There is no way I can film that movement while holding this M50 steady and at the same time carrying the, the tripod and everything. So I was relying on the small gimbal to do that. And it, it performed wonderfully. I really think that this combo of having a DJI uh, Osmo Pocket plus an M50 is all I need to make television. But the thing is, the, thi the, the, the small camera has a, a, a gray color, so it's really hard to notice if it's lying on a bench in a church from the 11th century that has almost no windows. So here's the secret, that this is why I like being a Catholic. We have saints, and saints can help us out. And there's this one saint, Saint Anthony, who is uh, often asked for help when people lose stuff. And I lose stuff all the time. It is so frustrating. I lose my glasses, my car keys, my equipment, my batteries, my glasses because I lose them several times per day, times per day. My passports, my tickets, my bank account numbers, my login information. So I have a uh, like an ongoing travel insurance with with uh, Saint Anthony, so that he uh, he just helps me find stuff. So I pray to him, and then that didn't help, and I was like, oh. I hope I didn't leave the camera 
I hope it didn't fall out of my pocket because I was just, that's how small these cameras are. I'm just, I'm wearing this blue jacket and I just put them in the pockets of my jacket. But it was kind of, it's, it's, these, these are pretty open pockets. So I, I was like, oh, provided I didn't, it didn't fall out while I was filming that sunrise in, in those vineyards because that, that, that entire place is full of mud and it's like, it's, maybe it has been, Lying uh, there in the morning, and the, and the water. Of course, it's not waterproof. So I was like, "Oh no, it's gone!" And all the footage from Lourdes is gone. But I kept, just kept. That was also Father Theo who helped me just trust. You know, don't worry about it. We're gonna pray, and things will be all right. And I kept telling myself as well, like things are gonna be all right. Even if worst case scenario, I lose that camera. It's just hardware. And most of what I filmed, I filmed it with the M50. So I'm going to be fine. I shouldn't worry about this. And then, uh, of course, uh, I went back to the church while Father Theo was uh, getting a, uh, was taking a nap because he wakes up at 3.30 in the morning. So <laughs> God bless him. He needs a nap. At the same time, I was walking in that church and searching, and I was almost certain I'd, I'd retraced all my steps, the entire village. Wherever I walked, I, I looked and looked and looked, couldn't find it. So I was almost certain it had to be in that church, but I couldn't find it. And I checked the benches several times, and it's, oh. Uh, I'd ask Inga also to say a prayer. Sometimes you have to have, you need to have other people who also help you. And lo and behold, there is the camera. So I found it. It's all good. I w I'm going to to stick a bright fluorescent orange sticker to the to the casing of that camera. I don't want to be in this stress anymore. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to have stress free filming days. Anywho, so uh, yeah, so someone is sneaking into the the offices. Why? Oh, uh, it's Martin who thinks that he needs to help me focusing on, not on the bookshelf, but you know what? It, it bugs me more if someone is trying to get into the office unnoticed because they never can. That That is so much more distracting than a camera being out of focus. So please don't walk in here when I'm filming. All right, let's go to the next topic. Books. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Reading. I did a lot of reading, actually, last week. Uh, both audiobook reading. I'm still uh, uh, in, in, in the middle of Wheel of Time, the first book. Uh, the Eye of the World. What a great book. Oh, my goodness. I can't stop reading. I'm totally addicted already. And from what I've heard, it only gets better. Uh, at first, first few chapters was a bit hard because you get introduced to a lot of names, a lot of characters, and you're not sure if that's going to pay off later. And sometimes you read these books and you, you meet a ton of people and then you, you never meet them again. Well, it turns out that all the characters that you meet in the first few chapters return for the rest of the story. So, ooh, thank goodness. And the story is great. It feels a lot like... Uh, it's a cross between the Lord of the Rings and and a video game, you know, an MMORPG. It's got a lot of those fantasy elements that I'm very familiar with. Actually, when I picture the scenes and the chapters, I I I picture um, 
what's the the Black Desert game. So Black Desert Online is a is a Korean MMORPG, but it's got a beautiful fantasy setting. And so when you get these descriptions of of towns and villages and nature, a lot of that is exactly like the world that I know from Black Desert. Although the story of the Black Desert MMO is terrible. It's really weird and not really important. So it's not a very good game, but it looks beautiful. And so now I'm reading this book and all I see is are the images of all these different environments that I know from that MMORPG game. But now I have a good story taking place in that, in that environment. So that was really cool. So um, definitely check out um, the Eye of the World in the Wheel of Time series. If only check out the first book. I, you'll love it. If you're anything interested or remotely interested in Tolkien, you're going to love that book as well. The second book that I bought is a book uh, about Leia, Princess Leia. Yeah, Star Wars. There's some people in the chat room that cannot wait for me to talk Star Wars. And, and they would prefer me to talk Star Wars and only Star Wars all the time. This book is, is written by Claudia Gray and it was on sale on the Amazon uh, Kindle store. And so I... Um, I picked it up for $1.99, and Claudia Gray, and I did not realize that, also wrote one of the most beloved Star Wars stories in the new canon, uh, which is called, I'm trying, looking it up right now here on my Kindle app. I bought it a while ago. It's uh, Lost Stars, which is, um, uh, from what I've heard, one of the best Star Wars novels ever written. And so Claudia Gray uh, also did a book about Leia, and I think it tells the story of what happens um, in the kind of the lead up to to the Force Awakens. So it it shows you how Leia kind of uh, became the 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 general that she is when we meet her in the Force Awakens. But Claudia Gray is really good at character writing, and I think what marred a lot of the expanded universe books in the Star Wars. Uh, um, literary world is kind of the, the the focus on all all the all the flashy special effects stuff and they describe battles and aliens and stuff but ultimately why we why why do we love star wars is because of the characters how many times do people ask me in the chat you know who's your favorite villain in star wars who's your favorite jedi who would win count doku or or obi-wan kenobi <laughs> who's got the higher ground well hello there well anyway so Star Wars ultimately is is not about spaceships. It's not about sword fighting and 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 Jedi tricks. It's about character. It's about self sacrifice. It's about these these very fundamental human themes that are also part of our lives, and we can relate to the characters because they're not very far away. I mean, it, the, the the opening says in a long time ago in a galaxy far far away. But what you realize is when you watch Star Wars, you realize it's. This is not so long ago, and this is actually really nearby because this is about my life. This is about my story, about the things that I care for. So um, I hope to read this also in between you know, the chapters of uh, Wheel of Time. Um, so check them out, and uh, in case you missed this sale, that's why you need to follow me on, you, on, uh, on, on Facebook and on Twitter because that's where I post these book tips. I use, by the way, if, if I ever post a link to Amazon, I use an affiliate link. Um, and so if you buy the book, it I'll get like uh, 30 cents. 
it doesn't really add to your the price you are paying, but Amazon pay, pays that as an affiliate because I'm using an affiliate link. And and that the, what I make by uh, giving you these links to those th- those books on sale, I can use to buy new books on sale. So it's a perpetuum mobile. It's <laughs> it, it's auto. How do you say that? That's kind of what I hope for my YouTube uh, stream as well. I'm, I've been doing these Lego casts and. It's a lot of fun. I'm just building Lego sets, and then I'm chatting. And then I've now finished the the Harry Potter castle, and then people are like, "Oh, you should totally build the Death Star set." I'm looking up the Death Star set, and it's like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And I'm like, "Oh, that is so expensive." And now, now a couple of people are encouraging me. Well, well, used there were several methods where where you can do. Uh, you can, people can tip you while they're watching the stream. And apparently this is a very common thing, especially for the, the people on Twitch, you know, the, the gamers that are streaming their game sessions. Um, the, the, the people that, that, uh, that are watching are also providing the funds to buy new Lego sets. So I, hopefully we'll get there. That would be a lot of fun to do something with the community. The community can, can finance the Lego sets. I can build them and we can chat and then that will hopefully attract more Lego aficionados and, well, just like with the books. Alrighty, it is time to talk science because there are some very cool developments when it comes to space exploration and not just faraway solar systems and black holes but apparently we're going back to the moon and I'm going to live to see the day well hopefully, God willing that new people are going to land on the moon and it's all thanks to our millionaires in the world We've got our, uh, what's his name? The guy who builds the cars. And then you've got Jeff Bezos. And we're going to talk about him. scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. Okay. Jeff Bezos wants to go to the moon. And he wants to go there in, I think, 2024 already. So he presented on a secret meeting his plans to go to the moon. And I always have to think about that little record. I had a, a, a small record player when I was young. I'm, I'm very ancient. And I had this uh, 45 uh, rotations a minute uh, disc. And it was the story of the first moon landing. And it would, ha- it would be this wonderful compilation of, uh, of, of audio clips. So you would hear uh, John F. Kennedy say this famous... Uh, uh, talk where where he announced that they were going to we will go to the moon and do the other thing <laughs> then you hear the the rockets and you hear the chatter of the astronauts and then you hear it's, it's one small step for man one giant leap for mankind i've listened to that particular disc or record hundreds of times i could totally res- i could do the entire record by, by heart. That's how much I loved listening. Because while I was listening to those audio clips, I imagined the movie, you know. Ah, that's what audio can do. Anyway, apparently Jeff Bezos wants to go to the moon, and he has designed a new moon lander. And that what makes this so interesting is that not only... Uh, and Elon Musk is also, of course, as you know, experimenting with uh, space travel and making that more affordable. But Jeff Bezos has... has built uh, the prototype of a new moon lander but he intends to stay on the moon it's not just visiting and going back home but he wants to 
build moon bases, just like the ones that we know from the science fiction movies or Artemis, you know, the book uh, uh, where, where it's all, there's a moon colony. And so they are developing techniques to mine uh, minerals and stuff and metals and whatnot, starting with water, by the way. They want to go to the, I think, the south pole of the moon and use hydrogen from the frozen water that's on the moon in order to fuel rockets to explore other parts of our solar system. Fascinating. So um, it is, uh, yeah, cool. Very, very cool. Uh, my, my staff keeps telling me that the screen is out of focus. Please, guys, don't do that. It distracts me. Uh, <laughs> just let me do my thing, okay? Um, so uh, the, 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 I, I'm really eager to, to discover what is going to happen uh, once we get settlements on the moon. Uh, we have this International Space Station. I already think that is amazing that we have people living permanently in space for many months, let alone if we get people living on the moon. I can't wait to see the day. Ah, we live in awesome days. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. Final topic of the day. We need to talk tech because we had two major conferences taking place. First of all, the uh, Facebook, the yearly Facebook Developers con uh, Conference, uh, which is called F8. Um, I'm always interested in these Facebook meetings because Facebook, of course, is dominating the world. Not everyone is on Facebook and more and more young people are leaving the platform, but usually they just move over to another Facebook property like Instagram or WhatsApp. Um, the thing is with Facebook, of course, we've seen scandal after scandal. This is not a company that wants you to live in a better world. It's a company that wants to make money and that has been neglecting privacy and uh, even decency and morals and ethics just to be successful. And that this has been an ongoing story with Facebook ever since the beginning. And it's a huge concern to everyone who is on the platform and also to more and more, thankfully, to our governments. Especially here in Europe, there's a lot of criticism and a lot of steps that are taken. And now there are even calls for Facebook to be broken up into various companies. It's not healthy. It's not good to have one company that has such a stronghold on the way we, we communicate and interact. We used to be afraid of, of certain governments, certain countries that were getting too influential. But these big companies like Google, like Facebook, are starting to become even more dangerous than certain countries. Because they're controlling information. They're control Look at what happened in the United States around the elections and how these, these companies can be used. And sometimes they're even collaborating uh, because they want to make money. They can be used to, to threaten our democracy and or democracies to to threaten world peace and this is fake news you will you you'll, you know the discussions this is why uh it is so important 
that there is an ongoing discussion. I think the church also has a message here. The church every year publishes a, a, a letter on a pope writes a letter for World Communications Day, and it's not, of course, not just the pope who writes those letters. It's uh, it's, it's his staff also that thinks uh, reflects upon the human consequences of the way we interact digitally and in the way we communicate. And there have been calls by the Vatican to, you know, also calls for to for these companies to use their conscience and not just their, you know, their will to make even more money than they already do. So anyway, Facebook now has pledged, and this is also, of course, because of all the lawsuits that have been filed and also all, all the the fines that they have to pay because they've been n- neglecting the, the rules, the privacy rules in, here in Europe. Google, same thing. They, they constantly are fined because they just are not careful enough. And it's only partially because it's a, these companies are, are run by nerds. I don't fall for that. I mean, it's a big company. It's just that they don't invest enough, I think, in ethics and in, in people that keep them accountable. Uh, they just go for the big money and they squander, I think, our, our privacy and our, all the data that they gather. And it's starting to have consequences for them, monetary consequences. And now they're starting to make changes. And so Facebook has now pledged that privacy is the new keyword. And so they're going to try to get rid of the news, uh, news feed because the news feed, of course, you can just pay money to be in the news feed of people. So you're being manipulated. We do that as well with our you know, TV shows and our, our uh, social media posts in order to get them on, you get more eyeballs. I've been paying some, you know, not much, usually like 10 bucks every once in a while to see if I can get those videos to a larger audience. Well, results are very disappointing. Um, it's very difficult to, to do good targeting if it's not, not for commercial purposes. Um, and uh, it's kind of weird. You have to pay to connect. It's supposed to be a social network. And so it suggests that it's all about social connections, but it's not. It's about an algorithm that determines who you can reach and who watches your stuff and who doesn't. And if you want to, to reach the people that you are not familiar with your content, you've got to pay. It's very commercial. So I'm a bit annoyed that once again, Facebook is pretending to make changes, pretending that privacy is important to them, but at the same time, by downplaying the importance of the newsfeed, it makes it even harder for for companies like or, or platforms like Tridio to reach new audiences. And I bet you they're going to make even more money because they're downplaying the importance of the newsfeed. Because now, in order to get traction, in order to find new audiences, you'll have to do real advertisements. So... One way or another, they make sure that they first make they first make sure they make money, and then it's about well, okay, how don't we get fined? And then it's about us. Actually, I don't believe it's it's ever about us. So I don't know if five, ten years from now we'll all still be using Facebook. I think they're really getting to the edge where they may they may fall off, or we may fall off, and just go elsewhere. But where will we go? Hmm. Google also had a, a conference. The um, uh, it's kind of their their keynote 
I think it's also targeted towards developers because they will have another keynote later this year where they, will, where they present their new hardware. But they still presented us with a little bit of new hardware. They made new versions of their Pixel phones. The Pixel 3a and the Pixel XL 3a um, are mid-range or at least mid-range priced versions of their Pixel phones that actually didn't do well at all because they were very expensive. They kind of did what Apple did. Let's just charge, you know, a thousand bucks. And then, yeah, but there are a lot of other phones that are not as expensive and are almost as good. Of course, they're not as good as the Google phones because of the software and the camera software is very good. But what they did now, I think, is... is I, I predict that this is going to be the new trend. They're all going back to mid-range because people don't want to pay a thousand bucks for their phone, except for the hardcore Apple fans. But most the, we, the, Apple, you don't really have an alternative. There are no other manufacturers that allow you access to iOS. But with Android, it's very different. Anyone can make Android phones and. <laughs> they do. So there are tons and tons of excellent phones that only cost 250 bucks or less. As long as you don't want to have the latest camera, the latest chipset, you can get fantastic phones for almost nothing, at least compared to the, the premium phones. And I think that's where most of the people will now go and spend their money because you know that you know, two years from now, your phone, no matter how modern it is now and how fast it is, they will be completely outdated. And so, do you really want to spend a thousand bucks every year for a new phone? I don't. So I'm just looking around and waiting for something to present itself that is acceptable and it has good quality, but it doesn't cost a thousand bucks. And so I think the 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 mid-range price, I think it's around four four forty-nine or four four ninety-nine now. Perhaps a little bit more for the Pixel 3. Still, I still consider that to be expensive, but it's getting more competitive with Samsung and you know uh, Xiaomi and some of those other cheaper brands. Even Motorola has been uh, uh, issuing a, a number of phones that are really excellent and have a very, very good price quality ratio. So hopefully this is going to be the new trend. And apparently the camera in those three A's is just as good as the camera that is on the more expensive pixels. And the camera is one of the system sellers for most people. They want to have a good camera. And they couldn't care less about, you know, the chipset and whether it is a little bit faster or not. People want, I think, a good camera and good battery life. That is what you have the most. That is what gives you the most joy, right? It's a camera and good battery life. And as long as we can have mid-range priced camera or phones that offer both these, they will sell well, I think. So let's, let's wait and see what happens. In the meantime, I was also disappointed that the phones are not waterproof. They look like phones from five years ago. Seriously. The, the, the screen is ancient. It, it, it looks like um, an iPhone 6. I don't know how Google thinks that they can get away with that. I don't think they're going to get away. I, I still don't think that the 3A is going to sell as well as they hope it will be. They got to really compete with at least the cheaper phones that have nicer screens and look much more modern. What were they thinking with that bathtub, bathtub uh, um, nudge? It was horrible. And now they... they, they 
they got rid of the notch by by making the the screen look like an iPhone six from five years or six years ago, whatever. Anyway, what was also interesting uh, with Google, I'm not very interested in their hardware, but what I like is their software. And you remember that a while ago, I think two or three, well, probably two years ago, they announced this Google Photos colorizing feature where they would use artificial intelligence to analyze black and white photos. And based on, on, on uh, big data, they could colorize those photos in a very realistic way. It's one of my favorite Reddit, uh, uh, what is it? feeds or reddit pages is where you have these people hand coloring ancient photos black and white photos from almost a century old sometimes and the color makes them come alive and it's like wow the the world actually was not very different from what it, from what it is now and colors really make the difference well the, the they gave some demos uh, when they first introduced this technology that were mind-blowing and uh, they just let us know that they're still developing this. They want, really want to do this right, get this right. But I'm really excited about that. I have a lot of black and white photos of when I was a kid and a lot of black and white photos of my parents and I have no time to hand color those but I'd love to see what Google can do with them. Because, of course, Google can see, well, hey, that's a tree. Actually, this is an oak tree. So it probably, and the, the, the light is probably, well, it indicates that it's springtime. So the leaf should have this color. And that is, you know, that's what you can do with, with artificial intelligence. You can, you can intelligently color those, those photos. And imagine what that could do also to the film industry. If we've had these colored, colorized black and white movies that were all the rage, like, 15 years ago and they looked horrible because they were colored on the computer by people with bad taste and so you'd see these uh lauren hardy colored versions and it was terrible oh they were wearing like green jackets and pink trousers and oh yuck but i think probably a computer with enough data they could do a much much better job and make it much look much more realistic um, another interesting announcement was that podcast, a podcast app um, that is available on uh, Android, they're going to make it available on iOS as well. And it's actually already working in the browser too. If you uh, look for podcasts in, 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 uh, in Google and you click on the search results, it will actually make those podcasts playable in your Chrome browser. And it will even sync with the Android app. I really like the Android podcast app. It's simple, but it works. And what I like most about it is that it works with my Google Home system. So I can ask but with my voice for, for Google to play those podcasts. And it will remember where, where, I, where I was and it, it's got a lot of advantages. Uh, it was unfortunate that it wasn't available on Apple because I don't use Siri. Who does use Siri? Oh, okay. Apple fans use Siri, but Siri is terrible. So I don't want to use Siri, but I do want to listen to podcasts and I don't want to, you know, do that manually. I'm used to be being Captain Picard at home. I need my house to listen to me. So I'm super excited that uh, that they're going to bring that app also to uh, iOS so, uh, so it can sync my subscriptions. 
Um, and then Facebook also had some interesting news. Uh, they announced the 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 pre-orders of the two new virtual reality goggles that they uh, manufactured. So the Oculus Quest, um, it's going to be wireless um, wireless VR. Uh, it's going to be available for $399. And the Rift S, which is also going to be available for around the same price. That is tethered to your uh, to your PC. It's kind of like a, a, a slight upgrade of the original uh, Oculus Rift. And I was a bit disappointed that they didn't up the 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 resolution the screen resolution nor did they and that is to me is much more important nor did they increase the field of view for me vr will be a success if they manage to give me a field of view that resembles my actual field of view i don't want to have the feeling that i'm wearing goggles or you know like a diving suit and that's unfortunately still the case with a lot of this vr technology and it's, of course, because the lens technology is, is hard to develop. And the bigger your field of view, the more pixels need to be calculated. And, and well, the hardware is just not, uh, not there yet. It will only take a few more years, but that's what's holding me back from purchasing a Rift. Uh, the, the advantage of a Rift, of course, or the Valve also introduced uh, a, a new set of goggles, but it's very expensive. The thing is, it, it's tethered to the computer. What the advantage is, you can play any PC game that is, you know, available on Steam. Well, not every game, but a lot of games can be converted to VR. So you can actually play Skyrim on the Rift. And there's no way you can do that with the Oculus Quest. Because the Oculus Quest runs on a processor um, that is two years old or three years old. It's a mobile phone processor. And then, of course not as good the android processors are not as good as the apple stuff or what apple is developing in chipset so maybe apple will have a surprise for us in the near future where they will show their version of augmented reality or virtual reality or or, or combination thereof and apple has been developing these amazing chipsets and i think if apple opens an app store for vr with fancy goggles that everyone wants to have ooh they make will make a lot of money um, what Facebook hopes is that the Oculus Quest is going to have a system seller, and that is going to be a game, a Star Wars game, called Star Wars Vader Immortal, where you will face the Dark Lord in VR. And I've read some reviews, and apparently it's pretty groundbreaking what they were able to do. It's very filmic. It's a 45-minute experience. You're really with Darth Vader in his castle. And from what I've heard, even people that don't think that Darth Vader is very scary in the movies, because he's just an old guy in a suit, in VR, he is very, very scary. So, hmm, interesting, interesting. However, just one Star Wars game of 45 minutes, is that enough for me to purchase a 399 and it's even more expensive in euros? It's four, 450 I think. Just for that... I don't know. I, I like my Oculus Go for simple things and small experiences, and the Quest is kind of like that, but more focused on games. But I, I, I don't actually play that many games on, on the Oculus Go. So it all depends on the software. I, I still hope that one day we will be able to play just regular PC games uh, on, on, on a virtual reality set. I mean, I'd love to play Euro Trucker in VR and just being able to drive around. Ah, oh, 
That would be so cool. And you can actually already do that with the Rift. But then again, eh, the Rift is the Rift S. It's kind of an intermediate device. So hopefully soon there will be a better version, perhaps next year. All right. It is uh, starting to, uh, well, it's actually, it is time to, to wrap up this show. We've been chatting for about an hour. So thank you so much for stopping by. Um, I want to apologize to my YouTube viewers for the blurry blurriness of the picture from time to time. One day I'll get this right. But uh, for those of you that are listening to the audio, you couldn't care less. Because audio is never blurry. Thanks for listening. Thanks to my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick. See you next week. God bless.